Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back to Get Your Goat. We're going to talk about the Browns actually being playoff contenders and even Super Bowl contenders for the first time in 20 years. The Bills, can they repeat their success from last year? Aaron Rodgers, a lot of NBA playoff news, NHL playoff news as well. And then we'll round out with a little bit of baseball. So let's get right into it, starting with the Cleveland Browns being legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Not just playoff contenders, but legit Super Bowl contenders. It's been a long time since somebody's been able to say that. I thought last year they'd be in the playoffs. Didn't look particularly well to start off with the way they were routed uh, by the Baltimore Ravens. And then the Steelers beat them down uh, the following week. They even lost to the Jets last year, uh, which is bad enough. The Jets only had two wins on their schedule. And one of them was against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, So even though they had a fantastic year last year, uh, they did a lot right. Uh, You could just tell uh, through some of their games that they were not there yet, that they have not arrived, uh, but they were close, especially when they played later in the year. As I said, they had that uh, fluke game to uh, the Jets where Baker Mayfield uh, fumbled uh, a key snap there. At the end, cost them the game. Uh, It was little mistakes like that that cost them games. Uh, throughout the season last year, uh, where they were uh, ten and six compared to maybe they could have been eleven and five or twelve and four, but they made way. They looked really good in their playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, routed them. Uh, I forget how much they were up by. I believe they were up by as many as twenty-one points, maybe twenty-eight at one time. But that's how good the Cleveland Browns were. And then we know uh, the big loss in uh, Kansas City, where they could not beat a Patrick Mahomes-less Chiefs in the second half. But this year, the Browns are different. Anytime you have a year of experience, a year like they did last year, that is a tremendous building block. To have the way that chemistry is formed on that team. Kevin Stefanski, the brilliant coach that he did last year with this team. Baker Mayfield, especially in the second half of the season, uh, stepped up. This rushing game was there all year. This defense had its moments. But a good franchise uh, doesn't just sit on one good year like the Browns have. Uh, and are done with it. No, Browns fans want more, demand more, and the Browns do of themselves. So they went all in 
signed Jadavion Clowney in free agency uh, to pair with Miles Garrett, one of the premier pass rushers in the link to have a great one-two punch. Had a great draft with Greg Newsom at cornerback opposite Denzel Ward, Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa, their safeties as well, John Johnson and Troy Hill signed. So they did a lot good to improve this team, and then you have Odell Beckham Jr. coming back. So you look at the way this team is built. They are built for the playoffs. They are built with a great offensive line, a great run game, which then opens up play action, and then you can really throw the ball downfield because of that. You have to make them respect both the run and the pass, uh, which confuses the defense, hurts the defense because they can't go all in on one type of play. So this offense will be really good. This defense, they can scheme a lot now uh, with Miles Garrett. He is always going to get double teamed, which frees up Jadavion Clowney on one side. Uh, he'll be in single coverage now. He's usually double teamed, but he won't be this year. Uh, for majority of the snaps, that'll free him up. You have a true middle linebacker now to anchor that second level. And you have a very good secondary, at least on paper. Uh, some of the players are proven uh, when healthy, but that still remains to be seen. But they have a lot of building blocks. That benefits them. You have a Steelers team on a bit of a decline with uh, Ben Roethlisberger and his age. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are still on the come up, but they're a couple years away from doing any real damage. So you're really your main contender is the Baltimore Ravens, who have been your foe for a while. But you kind of had them figured out in the second game of last year, Monday night. Uh, but they could not finish off the deal. So they have building blocks in place. And then you take a look at their schedule and you think, wow, this team could really... I'm not going to say they won't run the table. I no team's going to go undefeated. I think other than the Bucks, uh, but they have, you know, 12 wins in them to get to 12 and five. The 18th game does make a difference, uh, but they could be 12 and five, 13 and four. Their first week is against the Chiefs. That's going to be a huge game to really determine where they're at in this divisional rematch. You know which team is which, but then again, this is the first week. You can't take a whole lot. You can take a few things, but a lot of things, uh, the change of, you know, months over time, teams do look different. Then they play a Houston, Texas team, Houston Texans team, which is helpless. Deshaun Watson, I think he'll be the worst team in the league. That's a win. Chicago Bears, I think it'd be a win. You know, they're rebuilding Justin Fields. It's at home. Same with the Minnesota Vikings as well. You, it's a very winnable game. The Chargers, very winnable. You're home against the Cardinals. That'll be a good a showdown. But again, very winnable. The Broncos as well. The Steelers is always tough, but you've kind of figured them out. The Bengals after that. Then the Patriots. They still remain to be seen uh, with Mac Jones. But again, another winnable game. The Detroit Lions. Easy, easy win. Then back-to-back against the Baltimore Ravens. That will be a tremendous test for them later in the season. Then again, more winnable games against the Raiders. Then they play the Packers, which will be tough. 
Aaron Rodgers against uh, Baker Mayfield on Christmas Day. Then they finish against the Steelers and Bengals. So really, I think they can go 12-5 and in their current uh, slate of schedule that they have with the changes that they've made. So very good team. Very balanced schedule. But a lot of winnable games in there, especially when you consider his team and by talent and you match them up with the other teams. You're 12-5. and five. You are probably a 2 or 3 seed. You win your division as well, which won't be tough with the Ravens in there. But it will go down to the wire. And that's why I believe the Browns are true Super Bowl contenders. What about another AFC team, the Buffalo Bills? Buffalo Bills, they were Super Bowl contenders last year. Can they repeat the tremendous amount of success that they had last year? Where they were one of the best, especially one of the best offensive teams in the league. Second highest offensive efficiency, second in passing. Uh... They were very good on third down conversions. Were just around 50%. They were excellent on fourth down conversions. 80% offensive yards over 6,000. Of those rushing, of those 6,000, only 1,700 were rushing yards. So a ton of passing yards. Josh Allen almost threw for 5,000 passing yards. He could probably do it in this 18th game schedule. A lot of touchdowns. His high flying offense, they were good. In the red zone as well. Better turnover ratio. But the one thing that this team did is Josh Allen was sacked more than his defense could muster opposing sacks. So that's no knock on Josh Allen. That's a knock on his defensive uh, front. A little bit of his offensive line. But he's also a scrambling quarterback. So you have to attribute a little bit of percentage to Josh Allen because when you scramble and make plays, that leaves yourself very open uh, to get sacked. But they're returning everybody. So considering all things healthy, this team can definitely be back to where they were a year ago. Uh, Sean McDermott did an excellent job. Again, another great, fantastic head coach that unlocked Josh Allen to an MVP candidate uh, last year. Uh, The offense that they run is fitted to Josh Allen, and Josh Allen can really flow through that offense in a way that looks fun, it's electric, uh, and they win games doing it. So that's good for the Bills. And when you look at their schedule against the Pittsburgh Steelers opening game at home, I think you can count that as a win considering last year's Sunday night game. The Dolphins is a winnable game to start the season. The football team, the Texans. Then they have a tough stretch against, you know, the Chiefs and the Titans before they have their bye week return against the Dolphins again. Then you play the Jaguars, uh, the Jets, teams that are rising, but the Bills are still better than a wildcard playoff rematch against the Colts. I think they'll win this one again. Uh, The Saints, no longer a big-time game without Drew Brees there. But then they play the Patriots again. 
Bills Patriots are always close games uh, with Bill Belichick coaching that team. Then one of the great quarterback matchups of the season, Week 14, Josh Allen and the Bills uh, going to Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Then they finish off their season against the Panthers, the Falcons, the Jets. So again, they have uh, 13 or 14 wins right there. And I believe they'll be 13-4 and four in that year win total. From last year, I believe Josh Allen can replicate his success. The offense is suited for him, barring any injury. This Buffalo Bills team will be exactly where they were sitting last year, which is in a great spot. Now, Aaron Rodgers, still, still more speculation, even though he hasn't said anything to anybody or he hasn't said anything publicly to anybody, but there's rumors of still of him going to the Broncos, the Raiders, outlined every team could have a uh, trade offer for Aaron Rodgers, even though I personally wouldn't trade for Aaron Rodgers. If I was a team, you know, like the Browns or a team on the come up, such as the Dolphins, uh, because Aaron Rodgers is, I think, 37 38 years old. He's past his he's past his prime. Uh you know, his prime was, you know, 5 years ago, 6 years ago when he won MVP and looked amazing in 2014 and they still couldn't make it to the playoffs past the Seahawks. But that was prime Aaron Rodgers. He's past his prime. Uh So you don't really I don't I don't want to take a chance on somebody uh, like Aaron Rodgers, where I only have him uh, for two or three years, considering he's not a Tom Brady-esque type player with that kind of mindset, where he wants to come in year after year, night in and night out, to replicate that success. Aaron Rodgers does not have that dog-like mentality that Tom Brady has, and that's why Tom Brady has the seven Super Bowls, and Aaron Rodgers has a one. So he's past his prime. He loves football. He loves the game of football. Uh, but... You don't want to trade uh, the bank and offer uh, your future uh, for Aaron Rodgers uh, when then he retires and you have no picks. Then it's a rough, rough stretch past that, especially since a trade for Aaron Rodgers doesn't guarantee you a Super Bowl. He's on the Packers. That doesn't guarantee him a Super Bowl. If he goes to you know the Broncos, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Browns, none of those teams are guaranteed a Super Bowl. It's harder to win a Super Bowl no matter where you're at, uh, the teams you face, whether it be the Chiefs, the Bucks, you know, the NFC West, you're going to have to face so many uh, good teams on any given night that can beat you. So there is no assurance that he'll even win a Super Bowl anywhere else. I still believe Green Bay gives him the best shot at it, but it's just tough. And when you do more of a comparison between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, which I've done before, uh, but just this stat, you know, Aaron Rodgers won an MVP this year, was league MVP. And guess what? The previous year, they drafted uh, Jordan Love, his so-called replacement. But Aaron Rodgers put them on notice saying, hey, I'm still top dog here. Very similar to Tom Brady, uh, where Tom Brady, uh, or where the Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. And then that following year, Tom Brady won MVP. Uh, so very similar situations. Uh, but Tom Brady that year 
went to a Super Bowl, lost it uh, to the Eagles, but still won it or still made it and have won it multiple times since then. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has had no first-round wide receiver uh, drafted in his first 16 seasons. But guess what? Tom Brady in his first first 16 seasons also did not get a first-round wide receiver uh, drafted for him. So really, Aaron Rodgers can make do with what he has because he is such a great quarterback. He's such a a great talent when people uh, slander and call him the GOAT. Uh, and disrespect Tom Brady, uh, then, uh, and they say, you know, if he had wide receivers, more wide, that would help. But guess what? Uh, Tom Brady, most of his career, never played with a wide receiver of the caliber of Devontae Adams. Yes, he had Randy Moss, but that was only for a couple years, whereas Devontae Adams has been with uh, Rodgers for a while now. Before that, he had the duo of Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, uh, James Jones as well before that. So he's always had, you know, good wide receivers and good talent to throw the football around. It's just been on him in big games. It's simply that he has not performed well in championship games the way that Tom Brady has. If Aaron Rodgers played like the way Tom Brady has and those kind of games, you know, we'd be saying a different discussion. You know, Aaron Rodgers would probably have four Super Bowls if he played the way Tom Brady does. But guess what? He doesn't. And you can blame Aaron Rodgers uh, for that. If I were the the Packers, I'd be fine with the way things worked out, drafting Jordan Love. And but I wouldn't be held ransom by Aaron Rodgers at all. I don't think that's fair, and I think the ownership knows that as well, and they can do whatever they want with Aaron Rodgers. But I wouldn't guarantee him a long-term contract as well. That's you know four or five years guaranteed all this money. Uh, so then you have to play him, even if he is in a decline, or if you cut him or anything like that, you still have to pay him. So that's another thing. Uh, the Packers do not want to do. That's my NFL spiel. Now getting in to the NBA playoffs. Yesterday was the last regular season day of NBA where all, every team played. There are 15 games going on consisting of all 30 teams. A lot of playoff implications on the line. Starting with the Knicks and the Celtics. Celtics won that game uh, to clinch the number four seed. So the New York Knicks are back with home court advantage in the opening round at the Garden MSG. That was a huge game. The Wizards won their game. Bradley Beal was back. Russell Westbrook with another triple-double. Pair that with a win by the Pacers and uh, the Hornets losing. You have the Wizards in the 8th spot. They were just at the 10th spot. Now they're at the 8th. That was huge. The Suns won their game early. So if the Jazz lost their game, they'd be the number 1 seed. 
was not the case. The Warriors and Grizzlies were fighting for the eighth seed. Uh, winner would be the eighth loser of a ninth. Golden State was so much better in that game. Steph Curry, scoring champ, 33 years old. Oldest scoring champ since Michael Jordan at 35 in his final year with the Bulls in 98. He scored 46 points, 16 for 36 from the field, 9 three-pointers as well. Added to that, 9 assists. Steph Curry was determined uh, to win the scoring uh, title, put his team on his back, and he did just that. Uh, I'll credit Steve Kerr coaching, but you have this team where players play, you know, 30 minutes or so, and they don't score at all. Bazemore, 30 minutes, 2 points. Looney, 6 points in 30 minutes. Mulder, 15 uh, minutes, 0 points. So really, Steph Curry has been carrying the bulk of a load. And when he scores 40 to 50 points a night, that's half the team's points. Uh, So you add in, you know, 10 from Draymond here, uh, 15 to 20 from Andrew Wiggins, who shows up once in a while, maybe a Jordan Poole, uh, 10 to 15 as well. That's really all they need. But nobody really steps up in the way Steph Curry does. And nobody stepped up in the way that Steph Curry has for their team uh, this year. I do think he should be a top three for MVP. Is he's a miss on a torrid stretch. And he's had a couple of torrid stretches uh, this year. And that's what made uh, Steph Curry so good. And they're 39 and 33 in a tough West. The eight seed, you know, if they were in the other division, the East, 39-33, they'd be the seventh uh, play-in, but they'd have an easier draw, easier division. But Steph willed this team uh, to the eight seed, so I have to give him credit uh, for uh, giving the supporting cast that he has. Then with the Nets winning, the Bucks really didn't have to win, and they didn't uh, lost their game. But you had the Lakers win. 110 to 98 to clinch the seventh seed. Uh, so, who wants to be on the Lakers side of a bracket? Denver, the Clippers. Well, both of them lost. Both of them don't want any part of LA. Uh, but Denver, uh, by default, will be on that side. So, you've got Utah against the eight. You've got the Clippers in Dallas. You've got Phoenix on one side. Uh, in Denver and Portland against the play-in. So really, this is fantastic uh, stuff right here. NBA playoffs are underway starting Tuesday. The play-ins Tuesday and Wednesday. And then Thursday and Friday are also play-in games. So then next weekend, we will have the NBA playoffs officially starting once a play-in is done. So I'll be picking two teams tomorrow for the play-in. Tomorrow's the East Earned Conference play-in. You have a ninth and a tenth spot and a seventh and the eighth spot. Two matchups tomorrow. The first one is the Charlotte Hornets, number nine, going or number ten going against the Indianapolis Indiana Pacers, uh, number nine. You have ten against nine, uh, which should be a great. Matchup, uh, Rozier is leading the way. LaMelo Ball is back. 
He's playing great as well. 15 points and 6 rebounds and 6 assists as well. But the Pacers, to me, are a better scoring team. Uh, DeMontis Sabanis uh, is playing well too. And this is really where you're going to have people playing uh, more injuries to the Pacers, which affect them. Uh, Karis Levert, Malcolm Brogdon, Aaron Holiday, Jeremy Lamb. You need those guys. You won't. I don't think you'll have Gordon Hayward for the Hornets, which is huge. But I'm picking the Hornets to win this game. Picking the Charlotte Hornets uh, to win. I think Terry Rozier, who's been here in a similar spot before, Lamelo Ball. I think that two combination right there uh, will overpower a Pacers team uh, who hasn't been as good recently as this Hornets team. So I'm rolling with the Hornets to win that game. Then the Wizards and the Celtics is the second game. The 8th seed, the Wizards, versus 7th seed, the Celtics, in which I think will be another great game. Uh... I can't believe the Celtics are here and the play-in. To me, they have such a good roster uh, with Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker. Their star, Jason Tatum. Uh, Marcus Smart as well. Uh, Of course, Jalen Brown is now gone for the rest of the season, which hurts this team. And Because I think Jalen Brown is out. I think the Wizards are going to upset the Celtics and win this game and get the seventh seed. That's such a huge loss in the Wizards, you know, going from one of the worst teams in the league. I believe they were in the 15th spot at one point, uh, doing so bad. They really turned it around. Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, can't say enough about how well those two guys have played over the course of the season together. Uh, Scott Brooks has coached familiarity with Russell Westbrook. So I believe they'll upset the Boston Celtics for this 7th seed to advance to play the Nets. Uh, I'd rather it be the Celtics to play the Nets, but I just think the Wizards are the team right now. And I think uh, Coach Stevens for Boston, his time is close to up after the way this season has gone. To me, there's no way he could have been around the 41-31 mark as the Knicks and Hawks were in the heat, winning four or five more games. Uh, They blew a lot of games as well. They couldn't catch up in a lot as well either. Uh, So I think he's going to go sooner or rather than later. And then you already have some of the matchups set, except for the one and two seed. You have in the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee in Miami, and Knicks and the Hawks. I think potential for an upset, of course, is the Miami Heat upsetting the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Milwaukee did not want to play the Heat as well. Miami has had their number of recently this year, last year. In the playoffs, Miami was very close to sweeping them. One in five games was up 3-0 in the series. So Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, have played very well against Giannis and the Bucks. 
it hurts that Victor Oladipo won't be in this matchup uh, for the Heat. But I think Miami can still upset and win this game. I don't know if I'm officially picking that yet. But out of all the matchups in the Eastern Conference first round, Miami, to me, is most likely to have an upset. They're a very well-constructed team with Eric Spolstra as head coach. Then in the Western Conference, the first two games aren't upset yet, or aren't uh, slotted in yet, but you have Denver and Portland, Clippers and Dallas. I could see Denver being upset here by the Portland Trailblazers. Portland's been playing very, very well as of recently. C.J. McCollum and Dame Lillard have beat good teams such as the Nuggets, uh, the Jazz, the Lakers. They hung in tough against the Suns as well. But another team that's playing really good. think Portland can upset Denver. And I think any one of these eight seeds, not eight seeds, excuse me, but play-in games, I think the Lakers get the seven. I think they very much well could upset Phoenix. If Golden State gets a seven, they could upset Phoenix. And vice versa, if one of them falls to the eight or seven, or one of them falls to the eight, they can beat Utah as well. I especially like the Warriors in that matchup more from what I've seen this regular season. But to me, there's more upsets in the West because it's just a deeper uh, conference. Who would have thought the Lakers could have been a seven or eight seed? Same with Golden State. I know I'm counting out Memphis and San Antonio. Uh, already, so you kind of know my stance on those teams already. But the plans are set tomorrow, Tuesday, 3.30 is the first one. Eastern tomorrow, Wednesday, I'll pick games for the West. But there you have it. Then the East play-in for the 8th seed is Thursday night, and Friday night is the West 8th seed play-in game. So the play-in is here to stay, makes basketball more exciting Uh, not knowing if your team will officially be in the playoffs or out. And for MVP, this is who I have at the end of the season. Number one, Chris Paul III. Two, Nikola Jocic. And three, Steph Curry. Joel Embiid is omitted omitted, uh, because he did miss a significant amount of time, uh, so he cannot factor in a full, you know, 55, 56 games. He looked really good when he was in, uh, averaged a double-double, but guess what? They still won without him, uh, and with him, you know, they had a surprising, you know, four or five game losing streak uh, mid-end of the season. So Steph Curry, the numbers he's put up, scoring champ, offensively, brilliant, Nikola Jocic averaging a double-double. has been improved uh, defensively. He's most likely to win it, but I like uh, Chris Paul III because you have a Suns team, the way they're constructed, where an eight seed you know, missed a play-in last year. Uh, that's their kind of vibe is where they were. But you have Chris Paul III, and we're in contention all year long for the number one seed, missed out by one game, got the two seed, but Chris Paul did a lot of good things this year. Uh, averaged around 16 points, around uh, 9 assists. Was breaking records. Was a leader on this team. And to me, MVP Most Valuable Player uh, is not just about stats, but also, uh, as I've said, you're leading. 
on the court, off the court players looking to you, and everybody looks to Chris Paul, and he's also a very clutch player. I delivers in key moments. That's why he's number one on my list. Now moving to the NHL playoffs, where you have had overtime game after overtime game. The playoffs started on Saturday. You have the Capitals winning three to two in overtime. Nick Dowd uh, with the game winner, but the major storyline in that game was Washington goalie Vita Vanacek injuring himself after an awkward save attempt. Uh, on Jake DeBrusque. So Craig Anderson came in and did an admirable job uh, filling in at you know, 38 years of age, who hasn't played a playoff game in a while, uh, come in and make 21 saves the way he did and anchor that back end to a win was brilliant for Washington. Then Sunday morning, my Pittsburgh Penguins decided to blow their game against the New York Islanders. Kyle Palmieri, who only scored two goals this season for the Islanders, scored two goals that game yesterday, including the game winner, which was not good. You had a couple things go wrong for the Penguins. First game was tight. Pittsburgh, to me, kind of dominated. And to me, they dominated the second period as well, which is why they were up 2-1. to one. Then in the third period, uh, it kind of unraveled. A bad line change would led to a tie game, and they didn't play with the same intensity. They had their first uh, 40 minutes. Uh, they played like they had the lead and were just kind of waiting, which led them to go down in the game before Kapanen bailed them out, and then in overtime, uh, not a great shot, but Tristan Jari did not have his best game. He has to be better. Uh, this team has to be better uh, for a full 60 minutes if they want to win. Then another overtime game, Minnesota Wild beat the Vegas Golden Knights 1-0 in a game to me highlighted by Marc-Andre Fleury with the saves he made because you had the Knights outshoot the uh, Minnesota Wild 42-30, to but to me Minnesota had much more quality scoring chances, so you look at Cam Talbot, 42 saves and a shutout compared to Marc-Andre Fleury, only 29 saves. But Marc-Andre Fleury's saves were just spectacular. He had five or six uh, save-of-the-year candidates within that game. He was brilliant, whereas the shots Cam Talbot faced uh, were not as difficult. He did have a few great saves, but not as many as Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, I was very worried about this series uh, going in because I know Minnesota has Vegas' number. And I'm about to say something bold here in a minute. Then in the final game, in what I think will be the most entertaining playoff series, is the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers. So many hits, fights, scrappy, high scoring, 5-4. to four, uh, Lead changes, looked like Tampa Bay had it. Then Florida, then back to Tampa Bay. Then back to Florida, then finished with Tampa Bay. So this had it all in as well. Great game. I don't like how uh, I believe it's Tippett who was, or no, Sam Bennett was suspended again for boarding. Uh, McDonough 
should have also been suspended the game. His boarding was just as dirty as Sam Bennett. So I don't didn't like the officiating in that game. I'll call that one out. But in terms of playoff series, my round one series predictions, I do think that the Capitals will beat the Bruins in their series. In the East, I think Pittsburgh will beat their, win their series against the Islanders. In the Central, I think the Predators will beat the Hurricanes. I think the Lightning will beat the Panthers. In the North, I think Toronto will beat Montreal. And I'll think Edmonton will beat Winnipeg. And then in the West, I think Colorado will beat St. Louis. But I think Minnesota will upset Vegas. As I said, I don't like uh, Vegas, especially in the playoffs after what I saw yesterday. Uh, So reminiscent of last year, not being able uh, to score goals and spoil away brilliant goaltending performances. When they have a good offense, they really do. Uh, To me, uh, they had one of the best offenses this year. Uh, I think if you go by metrics, they had the second best uh, offense number one being Colorado, but, you know, they were more potent, you know, than Edmonton, than Toronto, but Minnesota's had their number, and in the playoffs, it gets scary, and nobody's more scary to me than the Vegas Golden Knights. But tonight, I will make three predictions, four games, the first being the Bruins and the Capitals. I'm picking the Bruins to even up this series, even though I have the Capitals winning this series, I think this will be a tight series. The Bruins will get back, especially if Vita Vanacek is not there, and you have to rely on Craig Anderson and Samsonov is still out due to COVID. I think the Bruins will even up this game. Then you have the Predators and Hurricanes uh, starting their series tonight, and I have a Predators winning uh, this game. Just beat the Hurricanes twice. They've looked good. They've been really good as of recently, this Predators team. And I think they'll continue it tonight and really shock the Carolina Hurricanes in the first game. Then the final game is the Blues and the Avalanche. And I think the Avalanche will go on to win this game. I'm rooting for the Blues. I'd like the Blues to win. I think Jordan Bennington will do much better in the playoffs this year than he did last year. Uh, but I think the firepower on Colorado, Grubauer uh, playing really well in the absence of Devin Dubnik, he's been tremendous. So I have to give this one to the Colorado Avalanche. And then for the MVP this season, my MVP has been Sidney Crosby. I know he's the third favorite in odds. Uh, people like Connor McDavid more and Austin Matthews, and I know why. Connor McDavid will win the Art Ross Trophy for most points. He has 105. But here's where I will make my case for Sidney Crosby. Connor McDavid has 105 points. Sidney Crosby has 62 points. So Connor McDavid has 43 
more points than Sidney Crosby. He has about 10 more goals and like 30 assists. Or, or uh, yeah, 30 assists. But the second highest point scorer is Leon Dreisaitl, who's also plays for the Edmonton Oilers at 84 points. And guess what? Those two players are on different lines. Yes, they're on the same power play line, but they're also on different lines. So Connor McDavid scores a lot and generates a lot of chances, you know, by himself. And the same is said for Leon Dreisaitl. So you have the number one point scorer on your team and the number two point scorer on your team. To me, it doesn't make sense if they have the number one best point scorer and the number two that they don't even win their division and they don't even have as much points as the Penguins at 77. So they didn't win their division, but Penguins won their division led by Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby was without Evgeny Malkin, their second best player usually. He's out. Tristan Jari was nothing special this year, was not the all-star that he was last year. Casey DeSmith wasn't great. But Sidney Crosby led his team in points, anchored the best line in hockey with Gensel and Rust, who probably wouldn't be the players they are today without Sidney Crosby and the way he plays the game. He's also better defensively than Connor McDavid. He's much better uh, on the faceoff. Sidney Crosby's one of the third uh, bet is the third best, and Connor McDavid is nowhere near that. So really, people like Connor McDavid because he makes highlight reel worthy goals, but he lacks the defensive and that Crosby has, and the intangibles and the respect and the leadership. Vic Crosby has, and Crosby carries. Uh, to me, if you have the first best and second best point scores, you should be the best team in the league. But no, that is not the case. Sidney Crosby willed his team to a win when the goalies are comparable. Same with the defense as well. So really, the Oilers had two great lines, and the, and the Penguins only had one anchored by Sidney Crosby. Uh, but Sidney Crosby does so much for his team, more than David McDavid, which translates to wins, and he's a winning player, uh, whereas McDavid is not a winning player. That's why I have Sidney Crosby at MVP. Head coach should go to Mike Sullivan uh, for the job that he's done with all the injured players for the Penguins and going to the division. To me, that kind of goes hand-in-hand. Hand. And then the goalies... I thought it would have been Andre Vasilevsky uh, for what he did this season, but he kind of faltered near the end. And to me, uh, Mark andre Fleury should win goalie of the year. Uh, he had not, he didn't even allow, uh, on average, more than two goals. Uh, his save percentage was 928 better than Vasilevsky. And his shutouts, he had six of them as well. So to me, really, the three best goalies this year were Simeon Varlamov, 
and Philip Grubauer and Mark Andre Fleury. So you really have all of them in there, but Mark Andre Fleury is the only one in the top three out of all those shutouts, save percentage, and goals against average. He's been amazing as well. And then one more argument I'll uh, disseminate is the defense for the Oilers. Guess what? They had the best point defenseman as well, Tyson Berry, this year. I know people talked about Chris Letang, and Chris Letang had a great year. Uh, this year he had 45 points, but Tyson Berry was three better than him. Uh, so you have comparable players there as well. But Sidney Crosby is the man uh, for a reason. He's a winning player. But t- sometimes that always doesn't translate to MVP, which it should because it's most valuable player. If they didn't have Sidney Crosby, uh, they wouldn't be a top 15 team in the league. They wouldn't have made the playoffs this year without Sidney Crosby. The Capitals would have been ahead of them, but Boston Bruins, the Islanders, the Rangers would have probably been ahead of them as well. So Sidney Crosby, without not on the Penguins, does not make them any better. It makes them so much worse. Whereas Edmonton's the second best team. If you were to take him off here and you were to still have the likes of Leon Dreisaitl and this team, which is still potent, I believe they still make the playoffs. You know, they'd be around the fourth seed as well. Well, there you have it. Just finishing up with MLB. The one big game tonight is the Mets and the Braves. Mets on a three-game losing streak. Will they break it? Tawan Walker's pitching for the Mets, who's been really good this year. Max Freud for the Braves, who hasn't been as good. But will the Mets snap their streak? They've been streaky. They've been started off poor, then they got hot, then they're back to poor. So really, it's teams in the AL East finding consistency because you have a ton of good teams there, the Mets, the Braves, uh, the Phillies, and such. And then Albert Pujols signed with the Dodgers. Uh, I think this is good for the Dodgers as they face a plethora of injuries. He's no longer the first baseman he once was, but as a designated hitter, he can still hit runs, uh, hit RBIs when needed, come up at bat, and I think... To finish out his career, not traveling farther, going from the Los Angeles Angels to the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, I think uh, the Dodgers will find a spot for him in their lineup when needed. That's it, folks. Again, hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.